Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So let's turn to our reading in Second Chronicles. I was asked for a title for this morning's reading, and I could hardly give one, but I had thought about calling it leadership or King Hezekiah's leadership. Because we see all kinds of leaders on television nowadays, whether it's presidents or prime ministers or generals, or whether it's sports personalities or captains from the Olympics, we all recognize and hear from leaders. But what is leadership? What makes a good or even what makes a great leader? Quite difficult questions. Uh, as the answer seems to vary with the context. I think we'd all say, and history certainly has said, that Winston Churchill was a great leader during wartime. But if you ask young folk nowadays, they would point to Greta Thunberg's leadership of the eco-debate and the climate crisis and such. It seems leadership and leaders are easy to recognize, but hard to define and hard to produce, far less train. The Bible simply gives us narratives about various leaders in this historic section of the Bible. Stories about leaders and kings from King Saul, back in the book of Samuel, through to King David and Solomon in the Kings, through to King Hezekiah here in Chronicles. And four chapters are devoted to this one king, uh, which is uh, third only to Solomon and David. But what was the context? If leadership's important, what was the context of Hezekiah's leadership? Well, to say it was challenging is putting it very mildly. The 12 tribes of Israel had earlier fallen into civil war. Uh, the 12 tribes no longer were 12, they were 10 in the north and two in the south, the two centered on Jerusalem that Hezekiah came to reign. He was a minor king in the big picture. The northern kingdom has, was defeated in 721 BC by a gentleman who went by the name of Shalmaneser uh, of Assyria, which had conquered much of the fertile crescent as it was known then, uh, stretching from Kuwait and Iraq through Syria and down towards Egypt. What a time to become king and king of Jerusalem. And yet young Hezekiah did very well. He did very well because I'd say he started very well. In those early days, when I'm sure he had many pressing appointments, many decisions to make, many possibilities of using his power for good, that was, I think, his a genuine, sincere intention, he chose to reopen the temple for worship. 
That was his choice, his priority, as I clumsily tried to say to the youngsters. There's various ways of saying this, and different people have said, well, it wasn't the king himself that did it, but the text clearly says that he opened the temple doors that the previous king had closed up. It's the same word for opening a sack or opening a book or, or opening your mouth. And he repaired them, fixed them, strengthened them, repaired them. He got his hands dirty doing what he wanted, what was in his heart. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a great king on a great throne in a great city, Jerusalem, putting that aside, the throne, off the throne, off with the crown, off with the robes? Did he put on working overalls like my father used to wear? I don't know. And he was involved in opening those doors and repairing them so as they could easily be opened and closed for worship. Can you imagine a king becoming a carpenter? Well, of course you can. Because if Neil hadn't chosen the hymn, From Heaven You Came, last week, we'd have been singing it ourselves this morning. Because our King of Kings became the carpenter in Nazareth. Jesus himself left his kingly throne and his royal crown and came to earth for us. He didn't just take up wood as a carpenter would do. He himself offered his hands to be nailed to that wooden cross so that you and I could find forgiveness and be found by the God of grace who reached out to Hezekiah. Is the same God of grace who reaches out to us in this carpenter Jesus just as Hezekiah had foreshadowed. He started well. He did well. He was a true believer, and he made very wise decisions. Notice, following up his zeal in the second part that Morag patiently read, thank you, for us, that he was very wise in the way he went about it. Sometimes zeal and wisdom don't always go together. The word fanatic comes to mind. But Hezekiah was no fanatic. He was zealous for God. But he was very wise. Now he could have thought, oh, these Levites and priests, they don't know what they're doing. They're a hopeless bunch. They closed everything up. They are away. Who knows what they're doing now on a sort of Old Testament furlough. They're not, they're just gone. I'll need to go in to the sanctuary. I'll need to do the right things that have not been done for a generation. And that would have been a mistake because God called him. He was born to be a king. He wasn't called, nor was he born to be a Levite or a priest. And he was wise enough to know the difference. He knew his calling. He knew his place. And he devoted himself to that. And he built up the leadership of Israel. The priests and the Levites were the ones who were called to be, we would use the word, ministers. And so he stood back from getting involved in that job and encouraged them, calling on them 
to rise up and fulfill their calling, encouraging them and no doubt supporting them and providing for them. And he spoke so well. That's another sign of a good leader, good communication skills, that he was able to gather these people up. What's a leader without a lot of followers? It's just a dreamer. But this leader had a lot of followers. First of all, the priests and the Levites, and he encouraged them in their ministry and calling. And they responded. Well, it's nice to be asked, isn't it? It's nice to be appreciated. We do respond better to that than anything else that I know of. And so encouraged by Hezekiah, challenged perhaps too, they rise up and get on with their jobs. And it was a messy job. It was an important job, but they did it. Do you know, we've been blessed. I hope you would agree with me, having a new minister here in recent weeks. Have we not? I'm delighted to say, and I hope you are as well. Of course, I'm only doing this under duress, and it's not something I enjoy. But I would love it if we would all encourage the one whom God has called to minister in Stonewall. There's lots we can do. We can pray, of course. We can be in touch. We can drop some nice gifts round to the new couple in the manse, as many of you did. You can speak positively with your new minister when you see him. Sunday by Sunday, uh, and so on. There's lots we can do to encourage our minister to fulfill his ministry amongst us. And I would warmly encourage you to take every opportunity to do so. And therefore, it's not just a leader doing the right thing. There's a group of people following on, and that circle, that group gets bigger and bigger and bigger, as we'll see as the story progresses. There's a lot to be thankful for, but we shouldn't take ministers for granted. There'll be dozens of congregations around Scotland looking jealously, looking with regret that they don't have a minister such as we have and their vacancies continue and are likely to continue for some time don't forget those congregations also please and so hezekiah encouraged the priests and the levites and they responded positively they finished the job quite a job in a very short space of time, and they rejoiced together. Now, we'll not go into the details of the sacrificial system of those days, because that's a previous time. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross has more than fulfilled uh, our need for forgiveness. And in Jesus, we have forgiveness, just as the people of the Old Testament did in their way. The people respond. The people respond wholeheartedly. And they follow Hezekiah's example. Did you notice that? That when the sanctuary was ready for worship, Hezekiah was first in the queue. And the leadership of the congregation were next. And then the rest of the people 
would gather. There's nothing more powerful than a good example. So although Hezekiah was a true believer and had a heart for God, although he could communicate well, he also set a good personal example. It was real for him. And he understood worship. Notice how he makes sure that the musical instruments are all in place. Notice how he follows the uh, rules in those days about what good worship should be. Notice he has a place for music in worship. One of our new ministers' giftings, I believe. All of these things are important. He also realized that there were mistakes to be atoned for. There were mistakes to be repented of. He's not naive that if we do this, this, and this, it'll all be okay. He accepts that there were mistakes, and he's not afraid to say sorry to God. He's not afraid to come out with the elephant that's in the room and nobody wants to talk about it. He confesses the sins of his forebearers. He confesses his own sin and finds forgiveness in God's grace. And so the people respond wholeheartedly to his call to come and worship, sincerely joining the leaders that are standing behind Hezekiah, each in their own ministry and fulfilling it faithfully. And he goes beyond that. Such was the response of the people that there weren't enough uh, uh, of the priests and Levites to take all the sacrificial animals and all the offerings that were brought. And sometimes that's the case in other parts of the world, as it once was here in Scotland, that the people were more keen to come and worship than there were ministers to preach and to minister to them. Uh, there was a famous revival just down the road in Cambuslang long while ago. These revivals are still taking place in many places in Africa and Asia to this day. So do pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers, more ministers into the church's harvest. And then he went even further, and this is my final and last point. He could have said, perhaps the leaders in the congregation could have said, Good for you, Hezekiah. Well done. You can put your feet up now and go and do other things that other kings do. Well, he did go on and do other things, of course. Dorothy and I, many years ago now, um, visited what I believe on TripAdvisor is the fifth best excursion place to go and see in Jerusalem after the Wailing Wall, etc. And it's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. I'd forgotten all about that till I was preparing. And he cut a tunnel linking a source of fresh water underneath the old city of Jerusalem, and it came out what we call the Pool of Siloam, which means the Pool of the Scent Water. Hezekiah's tunnel is that wide. I had to go this way. The water in our time was up above our knees, and in several places, I had to duck down. If you are feeling a bit claustrophobic, it's not a visit for you. 
it's a very small but very important tunnel still bringing fresh water into the old city of David. He had many other activities, but the first one set the tone. And he wasn't finished yet, looking after his own tiny kingdom. He then became an evangelical. Now, I don't know what that word means to you. It used to be a bad word. It used to be something that Church of Scotland folk, eh, certainly when I studied for the ministry, they were almost embarrassed to use. Evangelical. It means reaching out with the good news of Jesus to others. Sharing the good news in whatever means with those who have yet to hear. Encouraging folk to come to Jesus, or in Hezekiah's day, to come to Jerusalem, to the recently refurbished sanctuary, open for worship. And in those days, it was the invitation to Passover. And that was the very thing Jesus did the night before he was betrayed, foreshadowing his death upon the cross. He was evangelical, extending a an invitation out to the northern kingdom and to the dispersed peoples of Israel. Come and worship. Come and meet the God who has saved us. Come and find your place in God's house. What a man. Of course he was a man. Of course he would go on to make mistakes. What is it to say? The man who made no mistakes made nothing. Well, I would agree with that. I'm that person too. But Hezekiah, what an example for us, and also foreshadowing the work that Jesus would do. Yes, he was an evangelical. So pray, would you, that the Lord of the harvest would send out more laborers, would send more ministers to encourage us, as we have been encouraged here with Neil coming and ministering amongst us. There are many more vacant churches. Perhaps we should remember them in our prayers too. So may you be encouraged from this quick look at good King Hezekiah. Amen.